So when I was younger, um, I got in a lot of trouble. I didn't really like rules. I didn't really like um, people telling me this is what you could do. I really just want to do my own thing. I really just want to skateboard and hang out with my friends. So one day I said, hey, Dad, um, can I get a mohawk? And he says, no. And I said, okay. So then I went out and I got two. Um, this is not a picture of that, but, yeah, it'll, it'll do its thing in a second. And um, so I just didn't really care, you know, and I, I just did it. There we go. If you've, once that little D sub goes away, you'll see my hair doesn't fit in the picture. You know, I really just want, I just did it. Look at that. Oh, jeez. There we go. Look at that. It's like, yeah, I was, I was punk rock. I was ready to go, right? And um, so, of course, that helped my relationship with my dad a lot. He was like, oh, thanks so much for disobeying me and stuff. And I said, oh, yeah, no problem. No, so what ended up happening was, was you know, I got into the style of music, and I was like, you know, I'm going to express myself like this, just like my friends are. And um, what ended up happening was through meeting those people, through hanging out with them, um, we started going to these Christian shows, and um, I actually ended up getting saved at a, at, a, at a Christian conference or a Christian show, not a conference. I was thinking churchy. No, it was, like, it was a Christian show, you know, they, you know, raise your hand kind of deal, come up on stage, get your free Bible. And I was like, sweet, maybe I get to meet the band. And, um, and I didn't, but uh, I, I went up on stage, and, and you know, and, and we took a lot of the same ideas we had, you know, like, like, like this, this, this uh, punk rock mentality of like, you know, I, I do what I want kind of deal, and, and kind of converted it into like a Christian punk rock thing, which, so we started taking scriptures like, like Romans, where he says, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. We said, yeah, we're not conforming, we look different, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dress different, I'm gonna just go for it. My mom at the time worked at a, uh, a Catholic church, and I would go to mass like this, I was just like, shh, be ready for me, you know, I'm like, got my chains and all this stuff, and that was, it was crazy, and looking back, right, I have makeup on, I have eyeliner, that's, that's ridiculous, right? And everyone says, you know, you're going to regret it. And then I said, but didn't you have a mullet? And then it's all, it's all fair, you know. We're all, we're all going to regret, regret our, our stuff. But that's cool, whatever. So what ended up happening was um, one by one, these group of friends that, that, uh, that, that we, we were in this Christian punk deal with, but one by one they started, you know, falling away, stepping away from, from, from this path that, that, we, that we all said we were on. Because um, it's more than just looking different by how we dress and just trying to look crazy, um, you know. And then it, it gets difficult where, where God says, hey, I want you to give this up. Or, hey, I want you to do this. And, and it gets difficult. So one by one they started dropping off. And that's when I realized that that same idea that I had about just go for it. Just be crazy. You know, who cares what people think about you. That mentality in my dress and the way that I conducted myself I believe God wanted me to change that from, from the way I looked to the way I acted. That, that we just look ridiculous in situations. When, when, when we enter into our workplace, when we enter into school or, or what have you, our, our, our actions are ridiculous. They're crazy, and we just don't care. We're unashamed about it. Um, so as we're talking about that. We're going to be talking about holiness, like we talked about. That changed it, so it's set apart. See, look at that. Last service, it was all dark, so I did my little magic and changed it. So we're talking about holiness, but not from a, from a perspective of like this, like super spirituality. A lot of us, when we hear this idea of holiness, we think, you know, um, 
you know, someone's like a monk or like a priest or a, a pastor or like a like really good at yoga and can walk through walls or something like like that's really spiritual, right? They're like so then when, when we hear a commandment about, about being holy, like we see in, 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 in 1 Peter, it ends with, you shall be holy for I am holy. We look at that and we go, oh, geez, I can't walk through walls. What, what am I supposed to do? Or we look at attributes about God where he says, he says you know, I, I'm everywhere. Yeah, I, you got me beat there, God. Good, good try. So my hope would be that we can look at this idea of being holy from a perspective of being set apart as opposed to this, this super spiritual idea or, or whatever. The other thing that I think is great about this is, 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 is Peter, he's quoting God, and he says, you shall be holy for I am holy. Not you should be holy or else. It's, it's not a bunch of rules that we have to do or else we're not saved, right? It, it says that we're saved by grace through faith so that no one can boast. It's not about what we do or, or else, but, but, what, but what God is saying is he's saying, hey, come join me. I'm holy, come join me. I strongly believe that God, you know, isn't into making like an in and an out group. We as people tend to make in and out groups, which is a bummer. But, um, but I think what he's saying is, hey, come, come. Everybody come, come, come be holy with me. And I think that's just, that's just great. But it's a really hard, heavy commandment that, that, that God says. He says, hey, be like me. Say, like, ooh, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, be set apart just like, just like I was trying to be with my dress. It was, it's, hey, be, be set apart in your actions so, so we can be set apart together. Um, so what ends up happening is, is this is how it ends. It's, it's uh, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, and it ends with be holy as I am holy. And, and Peter does a fantastic job of setting up the path or the stepping stones we need to take in order to be set apart with God. Um, so we're going to read it real quick, and then we're going to dissect it as we go. So it says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. But let the Holy One who called you be holy yourself also in all your behaviors. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So this is the commandment. This is, this is where Peter is taking us. But the problem is, is that it starts out with therefore. If I were to go to work and I would say to, to my guys, therefore, you're all fired. Therefore, why? Because. Because you're fired. Like, it, starting the scripture out this way leaves us not knowing what perspective we're supposed to be coming at it from. It leaves us in a sense of misunderstanding. So, in the, in the first 12 verses of, of Peter, he's talking about the Christian life. Right, Peter, he was called to preach to the Jews while Paul was called to preach to the Gentiles. So Peter now, is he's talking to these Jewish people, and he has a very difficult job of telling them, hey, your religion is over, and what you used to believe is now fulfilled, and now we follow Christ. So he's, he's setting up the story, he's setting the stage for what a Christian life looks like. And he says, um, he basically talks about one, a life that has gone from being dead to now being alive. He talks about a life that goes through trials. And he talks about a life that has relationship with the one true God. And that is so encouraging for us because we can say, yeah, 
I go through trials. Yeah, I have difficulties. Yes, work is harsh sometimes. Yes, my family life isn't what I wished it would be. Yes, this, whatever trial we have, we have this relationship with Christ. And that's the, that's the, the platform in which Peter is talking. So then he says, therefore, because of all that, because your life, your, your unique life in Christ, he says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. And we need to be prepared, which is the next one. We need to be prepared. We need to be prepared for action. I strongly believe that that part of this path towards, towards holiness and towards being set apart with God is that it's a, it's a work of the Holy Spirit working in our life. I strongly believe that we can't do it on our own. It's impossible because we, we just would choose ourselves over and over and over and over again. And I believe that, that the Holy Spirit is constantly giving us these opportunities to do something. He's giving us opportunities to spread his name, to be his work, to be a light in a dark world. He's giving us opportunities. And if, we, if we're not prepared, we will miss it. A lot of us, I know I do as well, we'd say, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of seems a little bit like fuzzy to me. and I don't quite get it. Um, God feels distant. I, you know, my, my Christian life just feels like it's lacking. And I would argue that it's because we're not prepared to encounter God. So as, we, as, as we're going through our day-to-day life, we need to be prepared. The best example I can think about is when I'm driving on the freeway at a safe speed, right? And, yeah, it's safe, always. And what ends up, I don't have any speeding tickets. And what ends up happening is you see up in the corner, right, or up on the, on the way, you see someone broken down, or at least I do, and I go, oh, man, I should probably pull over and help them. Oh, bummer. I lost it. Can't reverse. Can't make up for lost time. It's because I wasn't prepared to help them. Um, because, you know, I, I'm just in my routine. I wake up in the morning, you know, hit the snooze, run out, drive to work, and do my thing at work, whatever, come home, eat dinner. You know, it's just, that's just my life, and it's just the same. And I forget to be prepared. And it's also great that he says, be prepared for action. It's not be prepared to, to have the wittiest thing to say to convert somebody, even though that might be the case, but be prepared to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So as we're saying, okay, what's, what's this path towards holiness? What's this path towards being set apart? And the, the first pillar is that we're ready, that we're prepared to do something. Again, we don't do something because it earns our way into heaven or anything like that, but because we want to encounter the Holy Spirit. We want to encounter God in a real way. Then the next thing it says is, um, I'll just read it instead of trying to remember it. Keep sober in spirit. And this idea is having self-control. But I like the, the wording of being sober in spirit a lot better because what, it, what it's referring to is that the world is intoxicating and that we need to remain sober it's not that we're scared of the world when, when we say, you know, well, we got we to gotta be, be, be sober in spirit and the world isn't intoxicating. It's not that we're scared of the world. It's that we know that the world has to offer a lot of really cool things that would make us intoxicated, but it's all worthless. For example, Lexus has a car that can park itself. How cool is that? You don't even need to learn how to parallel park anymore, so... You know, driving test is way easier, and then we have more people that don't know how to drive, which is great. And then on top of that, it breaks itself. So if you fall asleep because you're tired and you're driving anyway, if you fall asleep, it'll break for you. If you, you know, about to go off the side of a cliff, it's like you need that. You, we all need that car. So we need to sell our kidney 
And if we don't have a kidney, then we have to steal someone else's and sell it just to buy this car. That's what the world has to offer us. And it's a cool car. I'm sure it would be awesome. I want my friends to have one so I can borrow it, right? Like, like, like the world offers a lot of really cool stuff. But what's going to happen is we're going to buy this car. It's going to be fancy. It's going to smell all new and leathery. And it's like, woohoo. And you can talk to it and it can call your friends and it can tell you exactly where you are. Big Brother's watching and it's no good. So what's going to happen is Monday morning we're going to be sitting in traffic going, oh, I'm stuck in traffic. Because the world tried to sell you this idea. It's trying to sell us this idea but it, of, of you know, luxury and class that really has no bearing. It, it, it's, it's worthless. So what ends up happening is, is we're on this path and we're saying, we're, we're looking around, we're looking at the world going, oh, this is cool. But we, we go, no. I know it's not going to satisfy. I know it's not going to fulfill. I'm going to stay on this narrow path. Jesus talks about a narrow path and a wide path. And the wide path re- leads to destruction. And a lot of us feel uh, uncomfortable with that idea. It sounds very um, un-American, I guess, to say that there's one way. So we say, well, there must be a middle way. There must be a middle road. So, so there's like the narrow road, road towards Jesus, and there's this middle road and this wide road. And I would argue that if you're on, the, on this middle road, it's actually part of the wide road. Because that's how Jesus describes it. And the best way I can... I can come up with thinking about this idea of, be, of, um, of, of being sober in spirit is it comes out of Hebrews and it says, you know, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we're going through life, we're fixed on Jesus. We're blocking out the world, not because we're scared. I'm not scared of the next rock band to come out. I'm not scared of the next, what it, the next generation. We're, we're hip, we're cool. Like, like it's, not, it's, not, it's not scary, it's just it has nothing to offer of substance. And we know that only Christ does. So, so we're prepared. We're ready to go. You know, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, blocking out all the stuff. And then he goes on with this long part of a sentence where he says, Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Like, what are you talking about, Peter? What's going on here? Like, you're just m- rambling. It's like he, he needed to fill up his whole, you know, parchment or something. So he's like, oh, I'll just keep writing or something. So... What he's saying is, is that, that, that we, we need to put all of our hope, all of our faith in Christ. We need to trust in Christ. Because, right, we, when we put our trust in that new car that it's going to make our life all fancy, when we put our, our, our trust in that new promotion, when we put our trust in, in our job, Casey had, she's my wife, she had like the job of a lifetime. They hadn't had a layoff in like 20 years and it was like fantastic. And we both knew that she would never quit that job because it was so good. We, um, I had to get surgery. It cost me like 20 bucks. To, it was ridiculous, right? Now we just don't go to the doctors because, you know, I broke my thumb. Oh, it's just going to stay broken. <laughs> That's just how it is. And, and, and there was a sense of, of, of putting our trust in that. And what ended up happening is, you know, the economy crashed, blah de blah and building stopped, you know, happening. They weren't building any new buildings. So she was like the first layoff in, you know, 20 years or something like that. And nothing, we, we can't put our hope in anything else other than Christ. And that's what he's saying here. And I love at the end it says, at, you know, we, put our, our, we fix our hope in the grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As Christ is revealed to us, we can put our hope in that. And a lot of us, me included, sometimes don't really know if we really, we, I mean, we believe that Jesus is, is cool, you know, he's like, 
It's my homeboy, yeah, whatever. Um, but but we, is, he some, is he someone that we can actually put all of our hope into? And if he's not that real to us, if he hasn't revealed himself that strongly, then, then we're not going to be able to, to, to put all our weight on that. So I would, I would hope and I would pray that we would say, God, I need to know you more and more and more. I need to know that when I do take those steps of faith, when I leap out and say, I'm just relying on you, that, that, that he is, is strong enough to, to carry us. I'm, there's a lot of scripture we're going to be going through. There's a lot of points I'm going to be making this morning. And um, I, I know that you're not going to remember them all. That's just, I, I sit in church too and go, too many points, right? But my hope would be that there's like a nugget or two that you would just hold on to. And then after you get your nugget, you could just stop listening. That's cool. I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be bummed about that. But I think all this can be summed up from a verse in Romans where it says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. See, in order for us to be prepared to, to stay on this narrow road, to rely on Christ, to do those things, there are relationships or things in our life that are no good that we need to cut off. There might also be relationships or people or activities that are really good. And God's saying, cling on to that, hold on to that, hold on to that accountability partner. Hold on to that, that uh, small group. Cling to it. Stick with it. Cut off that relationship that every time you hang out, you don't act like you know you should. Because God's saying, hey, come be holy like me. And, we, and after I hang out with so-and-so, I don't act like I know I'm supposed to. And um, in John, Christ always, he, he, he uses this idea of abiding in him. He says it over and over and over. And at one point he says, abide in me and I in you. And he starts talking about how we're branches and we're connected with him and, and we will produce fruit. We will produce, you know, fruits of the Spirit as we are connected to him. And part of, of that, that process is there's a pruning process where we have to cut off things that, that are weighing us down. Or we have to, you know, cultivate things. We need to water things that are fantastic. And the great part about this is it says love must be sincere and then it gives this this commandment so in here's the nugget you ready in order to be sincere in our dedication to god we need to take drastic steps because cutting off those relationships is difficult it's it hurts um maybe it's you know you really enjoy that relationship or clinging to a relationship or taking that relationship to the next step that's really difficult, too, because, you know, I just want to get together with my buddies and, and talk about the game, when, when really I should get together with my buddies and say, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. Hey, wh what are you going through? How's life? I don't, I don't care how work is. Well, I do care how work is, but not right now. I don't care how work is. I, don't, I just want to care about how you're doing, what God is doing in your life. And that's, that's hard. It's scary to, 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 to put yourself out there like that. But I, f I strongly feel that if we want to, be on this path towards holiness, that if we want to, you know, be holy because God is holy, we want to be set apart because he's set apart. I think in order to do that, we've got to make some drastic steps. So then Peter goes on, and he says, as obedient children, is it there yet? Nope, there we go. As obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. So this is great. See, he gives us this, like, this threefold 
thing we've got to do. We've got to be prepared. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus, and, um, and, and we've got to trust in him. Then he says, hey, by the way, don't do that stuff you used to do. And by, by the way, that stuff you used to do, it was in your ignorance. You didn't know better. So we can fly under that radar. We can say, yeah, I didn't know better. I didn't know I was supposed to kill people. Right. God, thank you for, for my ignorance. Right. He's saying, hey, who you were, don't do that anymore. That's not you anymore. Look at what he says earlier in Peter. This is fantastic. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, or has caused us to be born again. We hear um, like the born-again Christians, and it's usually on the news in a negative context. But look, he's saying, look, at we're, we're born again. That old stuff, we don't, that's not us anymore. That's not who we are. And uh, Paul talks about the same thing in, in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, the new things have come. <laughs> right? He's saying, he's saying, we're a new creature. There's this, there's this theme going out in the Bible about clothing ourselves in, in righteousness or, or putting on Christ. And I would, I would argue and say that, that that's not saying that we're naked without it. Right, because when, when the Bible talks about being naked, it's usually in a, in a, in a, in a um, being ashamed or being embarrassed. And, and, and you know, when, when I clothe myself in something else, or like when, when, I, when I'm not putting on righteousness, when I'm not putting on Christ, I'm not necessarily ashamed. So, so I, I'm thinking he's saying, hey, we're clothed in something else. And what we're clothed in is our sin. What we end up doing is we say, this is who I am. I'm a litter bug. All I do all day is, is I'm at work, and I just can't wait to throw another piece of trash on the ground. I just can't wait. I look at the internet on restricted sites at work, and I look at litter bug photos. That's what I do. That's who I am. It's ridiculous, and it should be. And our other sins that we do that with is equally ridiculous. Because God's saying, hey, you're a new creature. That's not who you are anymore. Don't, don't do that stuff anymore. That's not who you are. He's saying, hey, look at, be clothed in me, abide in me, come be holy, come be set apart because I'm set apart. That's not who you are. See, we're on this, we're on this, we're on this path, right? We're saying, I'm prepared, I'm ready to do this stuff. I'm fixing my eyes on you, God. I'm putting all my trust in you, so better, you better support me. He goes, okay. Say, I'm not going to, that's not who I am anymore. I'm going to put all that behind me. And that's where we approach this idea of being set apart, being being, being one of God's people. And the nugget for this, I think this can all be summed up in Romans, where he says, in the same way, count yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. He says, consider yourself to be dead to sin. That's not who we are anymore. I, I'm, not, I'm not who I used to be. Okay, when I was in junior high. Hmm. So I had this friend who was a great friend, and the first day of junior high, he goes, hey, do you smoke pot? I said, no. He goes, it's my goal to get you to smoke pot by the end of the year. I was like, that's awesome. We should hang out more. So I, I never ended up, ended up smoking pot, but then I had, I just lied about it, which is even cooler. I'm so, I was so awesome. Everyone wanted to be my friend. And, um, <laughs> and so I would lie about it. I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah, cool, man. So then like four years later or something like that, I ran into a guy from junior high, and he's like, hey, you still smoke? No, I, not still ever anymore, right? Like, like, right, like, but, but he was trying to identify with me with who I was. 
And by this point, that's not who I was anymore. I wasn't that lying kid who lied about doing bad stuff, right? I, 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 was, I was a new creature. And, and, and what, what a shame it is for us to say, God, thanks so much for forgiving me. Thanks for um, everything you've done. But you know what? I'm just, I'm just a sinner. That's just who I am. He's saying, no, no, no. We're new creatures. We're new. We're ready to go, you know, do damage for the kingdom. And the great thing is, is that as we change from who we are or who we were to who we are now, we change and we become more like Christ. See, as we change, we become more and more like Christ. That should be encouraging because a lot of us don't like who we were. So if I could become Christ and I could, and I could represent Christ in situations as opposed to who I was, then, then I'm stoked. I'm pumped on that. I'm saying, yeah, God, give me more of you, less of me. And then our, our lives begin to have fruit and we get to ha- see change. And then I would, be, I would be offended if someone were to say, aren't you that kid that does this? I'd say, no, not anymore. That's not who I am. Then he goes on. He says um, in 15 and 16, But let the Holy One who called you be holy yourself also in all your behaviors, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. So he set up everything. He said, okay, we're on this path. We're doing our thing, blocking out the world, fixing our eyes on Jesus, tons of nuggets to grasp onto, right? He's saying, we're doing it. We're denying who we used to be. That's not who we are anymore. And he says, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in all your behaviors. See, God, who's holy, he, he says, hey, become holy like I am. He says, I'm the only God who talks. Every other God is, is mute. Hey, by the way, I'm the only God who creates. Every other God is created. He says, I am, I am unique. I am different. I am set apart from the other gods. Come be set apart with me. And he says, in all of our behaviors, because it is written in this commandment. See, like I said earlier, Peter is talking to the Jews. So to them, they, they understand this idea of being set apart better than I think we do because back in the day, like a long time ago day when it was Old Testament day before the car that can park itself, um, there was, you know, every country had its own God. So there was like the God of Israel and then there'd be like the God of India or the God of other small blob. Basically, if you had a flag, you had a God kind of deal. And, and God's looking around, I would assume, and he says, look it, what's, what's going on with all these false gods? That, that's, that's lame. I'm the only one true God, right? And we're saying, that's true. Make something happen. He says, I will. He says, hey, my people, we're going to dress different. You're not allowed to wear, like, polyester or things mixed. And, and yeah, p- a little early for polyester. He's like, it's going to come, and then we're going to get rid of it because it's bad. Um, <laughs> he's saying, right. Um, he says, okay, there's, like, different ways. Like, you're not allowed to shave, even though they're going to come with this really cool razor with, like, 12 blades, and it's going to make your face feel good. You can't use that either. You're not going to shave. You're not allowed to eat bacon, but we're going to change that rule later because it's really good, right? He, he has all these, he has these rules. So, so when the Israelites, when they enter into a situation, when, when, when they encounter somebody from a different country with a different God, they go, oh, y- you follow the God of Israel, don't you? And they go, heck yeah, I do, right? So, he, so, so Peter's talking to those people who know this idea of, hey, we're supposed to look different. And then he one-ups it. He says, it's not by the law that we, that we look holy. It's in all of our behaviors. 
It's how we view people. It's how we view success. It's how, like, like how Jesus, you know, he says, you know, the, the children, they're, they're, the, they're the best ones, right? Like, if, if you can dunk, cool, but if you're like a little kid and you can, like, almost hit the rim, God's way more stoked with you, right? He, 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 the way of God is, is totally different than our way. And in our behaviors, we're supposed to look totally different. When, when we go to work, we look different. I have a sad example. I had a, a coworker that um, I had to not admonish, but he didn't show up. And I was like, hey, why didn't you show up, man? That's not cool, right? And, and what ends up happening is, is you know, from that, from that place, he started you know, really bagging on himself and, and saying these negative things about himself. And at that point, I knew, wait, this isn't, Nate the boss is over with now. Like, I don't, he, he already gets it. It's, it's how am I going to look different? How am I going to be able to speak into his life and show him, show him Christ? And I was like, hey, man, you can't talk about yourself that way. I wouldn't let anyone talk about you that way. It's like, thanks. It's like, yeah, I got your back, man. It's like, we all make mistakes, whatever, but, but how, we, how we act. I've never had a boss tell me I did something wrong and then say you're a cool dude, right? Like, this doesn't happen. It's, you did something wrong. Don't let it happen again kind of deal. But we need to be the kind of people that break the social norms that look different. And all of our behaviors were, were set apart because God set apart. And the nugget for this guy is out of Philippians. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, any situation we're in, whatever happens, we need to conduct ourselves in this manner. Because what he says is, he says, come, come. I didn't come to make an exclusive group. I came to make an inclusive group. Come, come, be holy. Be holy because I'm holy. Come, come join me. He says, now go. Now go and make disciples. Go and spread the gospel. Go and, and, and help. Be my hands and feet. Go. So then we walk into the world with these big flags of Christ saying, hey, I'm Christ. I'm here to save the day kind of deal. And if we're not living in a manner worthy of carrying that, that flag, we're going to do a lot of damage to the kingdom. Um, basically, we need to start living like what we believe in our hearts and we know in our minds is true. Because God, I, I believe, has spoken to us. He says, hey, this is what I want from you. I want your life to look like this. Hey, I, I, I want you to, to be different. I want you to be set apart with me. And we say, yeah, yeah, I know that's true. I felt the spirit move. I know he's here. All this stuff. And, and it's like, man, we got we to gotta actually do it. Um, as, as the worship duo returns, we're going to think about this idea um, of, of since we're carrying this, this flag, basically in the battle, and then we, people are going to see us and, and they're going to say, oh, man, you act like that? Oh, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that God. Oh, you do that? Yeah, I don't want anything else. Yeah, I don't. No. And it's like, man, we, we're, we're carrying around the gospel. Saying, you know, whatever happens, no matter what, in every situation, in work situations, in, in, in school, whatever happens, we must conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel.